0: you are listening to radio maria and this is father toby with your word for today on this feast of saint maria Goretti on the thursday the sixth of july and let's begin with today's gospel which is taken from matthew chapter nine jesus got in the boat crossed the water and came to his own town then some people appeared bringing him a paralytic stretched out on a bed. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralytic, Courage, my child, your sins are forgiven. And at this some scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. Knowing what was in their minds, Jesus said, Why do you have such wicked thoughts in your hearts? Now which of these is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But to prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, get up and pick up your bed and go off home. And the man got up and went home. A feeling of awe came over the crowd when they saw this, and they praised God for giving such power to men. So, i uh said yesterday that um the oh, actually just a quick note sorry first a quick note to parents um I wouldn't advise listening to uh this word for today with with children um under thirteen um there's uh some sort of fairly explicit themes I hope the themes will encourage you to have discussions with your children, but I'd advise you to to listen first and decide whether it's appropriate for them. Um, I said of yesterday's gospel passage of the casting out of the demons from the demoniacs into the herd of pigs that promptly run off a cliff edge and drown in the sea. I said that it's a troubling passage. Well, today we have a troubling saint. Um, and actually, if we were to have read the, uh, the first reading from today's mass, we have a very troubling scripture passage as well. The near sacrifice of Isaac by Abraham. And so one question, but that's for another homily art, is are we dealing with a God who wants the sacrifice of children? But then looking more specifically at St. Maria Goretti, her heroism is challenging. But there is another aspect to the story which troubles people, and I think rightly so. The idea that the story of her life might be that it is better to die than to be raped, better to die than lose your virginity outside of marriage, or better to die than to be made impure. We'll come on to that, but first let's recount the facts of her martyrdom and the astonishing conversion of her killer and the reconciliation of the families of St. Maria Goretti and her killer. And then we'll turn to our tricky question. And in what follows of her life, I'm indebted to the excellent Universalis app, on which note, we're hoping that we'll be doing a good deal more in the future with its founder, Martin Koczanski, who is also the author of a brilliant refraction on The Creed, a book called The Creed in Slow Motion. Maria Goretti was the third of seven children of a poor peasant family, and in order to make ends meet, Maria's father entered into partnership with a man called Serenelli, and shared a house with him and his two sons, one of whom was called Alessandro. And her father died in 1900, when Maria was at the young age of 10. Maria impressed everyone with her radiant purity. We'll get back to that and what we might mean by it later. But in any event, she was naturally pious, kind and helpful. She was also outstandingly beautiful, and Alessandro Serenelli was an exceptionally impulsive and undisciplined man. Maria on several occasions resisted his attentions, which only made her the more desirable to him, and she narrowly managed to escape a serious sexual assault, which he made her keep secret by means of threats of murder. As a quick aside, we might think of our pornified culture and the simultaneous promotion of following your feelings. We cannot raise young men in this environment and then be surprised by the consequences. It doesn't matter how many classes you give people in school on consent. If you have a culture that constantly stokes sexual desire and at the same time promotes discipline only in the narrowest of circumstances, that teaches that the only important thing about sex is consent, ignoring that it is also sacred and life giving and unitive, ignoring that it is supposed to be a gift of self and not solely a pleasuring of self, ignoring continuing early formed habits of masturbation and just considering sex as no different now, but just now with a live model. If we keep on with this model of sex, then we are going to have problems as a society. We have to change the way we think about sex, because at the moment we are putting hungry kids addicted to candy and pleasure in candy stores and expecting them not to steal and eat candy. And the consequences are devastating for boys and girls. We're putting candy addicted kids in the store and saying, the only problem is stealing. And giving no bigger picture. Anyway, a month after this initial sexual assault, Alessandro arranged things so that he would be alone in the house with Maria. And this time he had a dagger. And this is a great example of the inversion of the proper order of the human person. The passions, our desires and our emotions, these are supposed to be led by our intellect, and our knowledge of what is good and true. But here we have Alessandro, who in his later writings suggested that he had become a viewer and consumer of pornography. Here we have him using his intellect to plot circumstances in order to fulfill his passions. Trapping Maria alone, she tried to resist, begging him to have care for his immortal soul. But he thrust the handkerchief into her mouth to prevent her from crying out tied her up and threatened her with the dagger she could theologians say have relented to him with no danger to her soul but she did not alessandro was enraged and stabbed her 14 times she did not immediately die though her insides were hanging out from her abdominal wounds she was taken to hospital seven miles of bad road in a horse-drawn ambulance one can only imagine suffering terribly and was operated on for more than two hours she lived for 20 hours more received the last sacrament and specifically forgave her murderer. she died on the afternoon of the 6th of july 1902 at the tender age of 11 years 8 months and 20 days Alessandro narrowly escaped being lynched and was tried and sentenced to 30 years penal servitude with hard labor. For the first seven years or so, he maintained a cynical and defiant attitude. But he would later repent, and dreams of Maria herself figured largely in his repentance. Now, you might say he pre- pretended to repent so as to get his sentence reduced. That the most skeptical experts were convinced, and he had to remain in prison for another 20 years, which is a long time to sustain a pretense. Maria was beatified in 1927, and Alessandro was released in 1928, and he and Maria's mother received communion side by side on Christmas Day in 1937, and they spent Christmas together how remarkable that is. Maria was then canonized in 1950 and her mother was present at the ceremony, the first time this had ever happened. Some people say that Alessandro was there too, but this is disputed. But it is certain that he spent his last years in a Capuchin monastery, where he died in 1970. Let's now turn to purity. What does it mean to be pure? Well, I think we're best to start with the Jewish conception of purity from which the Christian idea flows. In the Jewish worldview at the time of Christ, so far as we understand it, the things which made you impure were sin and contact with the dead and things which signified death. Purity was all about not bringing life into contact with the things of death. Now, sometimes this latter would be necessary, for example, in observing the precept to bury the dead. But the person who had been in contact with the dead always had to be ritually purified before they could once more enter into the temple, that ultimate symbol of life, the place of God's dwelling. Now, the greater death was sin, and this is not merely a sign of death, but actually deadens us. But nonetheless, there was a wisdom in the practices around purity which respects the fact that what we touch, what we view, where we live, changes us. And that if we habitually spend our lives in circumstances and situations with signifiers of death, that it is very hard to not be tarnished by this. The idea of purity and impurity is that contact with impure things will eventually tarnish the pure thing. The desire to protect that which is pure from being tarnished is a good thing and it's something we should take much, much more seriously in what we allow our children to view and to hear. But Jesus deepens our understanding of purity. He shows that purity first comes from the heart. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. He says what goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean but what comes from outside. Contact with the impure is unavoidable in this life. But is it possible to come into contact with impure things and not be tarnished? Yes, if the heart is pure. Yes, if there has been formation in virtue. Sexual purity should be considered alongside the virtue of chastity, which does not regard sex as dirty, but as something beautiful to be respected and cherished, as something which gives life and brings about union. And this is why solo acts of impurity are such a countersign to the true meaning of the body and of sex. Chastity is not about the absence of desire, but the proper orienting of our desire. Now Jesus is the ultimate example of the pure man with the virtue of chastity who could mix amongst the sinners and the prostitutes and lead them out of their sin into life, not be dragged down himself into their sin. Now as we've said, if St. Maria Goretti had relented to the advances of Alessandro, she would not have sinned and she would not have been rendered impure though she would almost certainly have been scarred by the experience, and most likely would have found it harder to trust men. Because sex has a meaning, however much we try to pretend it does not. And it's why rape is such a heinous crime. Because a man or a woman who is raped cannot simply decide that it meant nothing to them. They have been violated, and the wounds and the scars of that can take quite some time in healing. But I am almost certain that what motivated Saint Maria Goretti was not some purity cult idea that somehow she would be tarnished goods if she relented, or actually concern for herself. Rather she was not prepared to consent in the sin of another. I think her desire for the purity of Alessandro her desire that he not render himself more impure than he already was. It was this that led to her refusal, which led to her death in this life but her heavenly birth, from where she continued to desire the good of Alessandro, like the men who brought the paralytic before Christ, and from heaven desiring her good and through her prayer, she eventually brought Alessandro into the love of God which he had not known before and which would lead him to heaven. Ultimately, she, like Christ, led a sinner to heaven. Now, let's listen to Thanks Be to You, O Lord, giving thanks for the life of Saint Maria Goretti and all those who image Christ in the way that they live and inspire us to follow him.